Jamblers, I'm noticing a trend on the gambling X lately. Frustration from Twitter police over the phrase plus EV betting coming to symbolize only top-down betting. Now I get it. People are annoying. But have you ever wondered to yourself, what is the Twitter police so worked up about? What is this easy hack into the sports books that requires no effort and makes the smart people frustrated that we can all pretend to be sharp gamblers now? It's Odd Chopper. You can be a sharp better and pretend to be as good at gambling as true originators just by signing up, logging in, and getting going. Need help? Check out the show notes for a link to sign up through Good Juju Bets, then shoot us a note once you're in. We're happy to get you set up for making money and tricking people into thinking you're as sharp as the sharps. We can't lose. No, we can't lose. Enjoy it while it lasts. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily affected. We have a shooter and a good one coming out for a new point. Get your bets down, ladies and gentlemen. He's a rolling point is nine. Place nine. Nine a winner. Got a hot hand. Place your bets, ladies and gentlemen. They bet on absolutely anything. Don't make them prove it. Well, let's check that. I mean, I'm looking like an absolute genius. <laughs> You're tuned in to Gambling with Good Juju. Welcome in, everybody, to Gambling with Good Juju. This week on the show, the Good Juju has been shaken. There were no tears. I tried to look for them in Kurt's eyes after the game. Heartbreaking. Gut-wrenching. And the most awful way to lose all playing out, just as the dumb jock said it would. Mahomes late, man. All right, if you haven't already, please give a subscribe, follow, whatever that button is on your favorite podcast platform that lets them know you appreciate our content. Also, give us a follow on your favorite social media platform, at GoodJujuBets. I revamped my weekly video. It's better now. I still need to work harder. Great work, Juice. Keep it up. (laughs) Appreciate the positive affirmations. (laughs) We're talking with George Panagakis this week. He's the king of the notepad and is creating quite the following on Twitter via his video updates. He's going to share with us the secret to his sauce and better understand what we can learn from him. You can find him at GRPWins on X. Check him out for all his gambling content. But first... We're going to let Kurt vent about his 49ers, recap all things Super Bowl, and I've updated the college coaches who can't win it all sheet. Let's ride. Kurt, the floor is all yours, bud. Pour your heart out into this mic. Thank you very much, Peter. So Niners Super Bowl, let's recap this thing. Obviously, it was a disappointing and heartbreaking loss, and it was a great game. Absolutely phenomenal Super Bowl. So many lead changes, so many things happened in that game. Obviously, waking up Monday morning, super hungover, and extremely depressing. But I've been down this road before, and the Niners have already lost two Super Bowls that I've witnessed and four NFC Championship games. So, this is nothing new to me. I'm pretty much over it, and I'm ready for the draft, and I'm ready to look forward to the future. So, so you're not in the fire, Kyle Shanahan. I am not in the fire Kyle Kyle Shanahan. Um, The national media seems to think that they should fire Kyle Shanahan. Most Niner fans think they should fire Kyle Shanahan. I'm not going there. The guy is barely older than we are. He's been to two Super Bowls and four NFC Championship games. Right. And he's won a lot of playoff games. So the way I see it, there's 
30, 29, 30 NFL teams that would love to have Kyle Shanahan as a head coach. Yes. And I hope he's a Niners head coach till he's 65 or until he decides to retire. Yeah. Speaking of the game, so one of the things that I really loved about this game was Purdy. Purdy was phenomenal in this game. And I watched the film, and when you probably watched it live, there were a lot of incompletions, a lot of misplays. A lot of those were plays that Purdy could not have done anything with. Right. It was drop balls by receivers, poor routes run by receivers, and the offensive line got absolutely destroyed by Chris Jones. But Purdy made some sweet throws, made some awesome plays on the run, and especially that throw to, to use check. Um, he made an awesome throw to Chris Conley. Yeah. Um, he threw some dimes. And I just left watching that game completely impressed by him. And I'm very excited to see what he's going to do in the future because the whole narrative around this week was, is Brock Purdy going to throw two interceptions? Is he going to lose the game for him? Yeah. Right? I kind of feel like if for no other reason, you should be optimistic about your quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And what a blessing to have the last pick in the draft be a Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah. So here's the thing. In the second half of that game, he gave the Niners the lead three times in the second half. What is that? Wow. Three times in the second half. They're up in the fourth quarter or at the end of the third quarter when he threw the touchdown. The field goal in the fourth quarter. Yeah. With two minutes left. And then in the overtime. field in overtime, the yeah. field goal. Wow. So he led three potential game winning drives. In the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl. Against the Kansas City Chiefs. Against defense. the Chiefs. Yeah. yeah. So I've got nothing but hopes and high praises for Purdy. He balled out. Um, so now this is where I'm going on my rant here because I am sick and tired of the Kansas City Chiefs being one of the luckiest freaking teams <laughs> the NFL has ever seen. And I did a little bit of research on this and I found an NFL data site that configures luck, luck plays oh. into win probability. So this year, the Kansas City Chiefs were the luckiest playoff team since 2018 with a 78.4 win percentage probability added on luck plays. Now, luck plays can be anything from um, a missed field goal to a fumble recovery to a drop pass to any kind of fluke thing that happens during right. a game. Right? At Mahomes' Tip side, arming it backwards. Yeah. Tipped interception. <laughs> okay. So the 49ers this year were minus 22.7% win probability. They had absolutely nothing go, go their way in these playoffs. Uh, that's a discrepancy. Okay. So I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there were seven fumbles in that Super Bowl. What? What? I did. You did? I picked first turnover to be interception, and I definitely <laughs> noticed the first fumble. Seven fumbles in that game. The Chiefs recovered six of them. Oh my gosh. That is unbelievable. Wow. Right? Like how, how, seven fumbles in the game and the Chiefs get six of them. Talk about having a lucky bounce, right? Okay. So that is just where the luck begins on the seven fumbles. Where it really gets weird is it's the third quarter. There's two minutes and 42 seconds left. The Niners are up 10 to six. They just forced another Patrick Mahomes three and out. At this point in the game, the Chiefs cannot get anything going offensively. And what do you know? They punt the ball and Ugh. out of the sky drops right off the back heel of a 49ers player. 
Yeah. And it falls right into the hands of a Chiefs player. Just out of the blue. Well, McLeod did have first stab at that ball. Kirk. He did try to go. Yeah, he if did he try to go dive. on that ball instead of trying to pick it up. That ball might sure. be the 49ers. Sure, sure. But fluke play nonetheless fluke, for, for hitting sure. a guy in the back of the heel. Right. right. So that was probably that was probably the biggest game-changing event that happened in that game because the Chiefs score on that drive and they go up 13 to 10. So completely different outcome of the game if the Niners recover that punt. They're up 10 to 6. They have the momentum. Who knows what happens there? Now, the second biggest luck box thing that happened to the Chiefs was Dre Greenlaw tearing his Achilles heel walking onto the field in the second quarter. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Towards the end of he the half. He tore his Achilles? He tore his Achilles walking onto the field at the end of the half. Okay? Okay. Now, Greenlaw and Warner are two of the best linebackers in the game. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Going into halftime, tra- Travis Kelsey had one catch for one yard. Yeah. The Niners have to put in their backup linebacker, who is a special teams player. Mm. That's the majority of the snaps he plays. Mm-hmm. He's not a very good linebacker. Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs exploited that in the second half, right. and he went off. Okay. How do you think the NFL did it? <laughs> That's something a great question. Something in his shoe. I mean, but that, but that is just a freaky thing. Totally. To break the Chiefs' way is your one of your best defensive players blows his Achilles walking onto the field. Unbelievable. I mean, one week ago, we're talking weird conspiracy theories <laughs> heading into the Super Bowl around Taylor Swift. Right. And. Greenlaw magically hurts his ACL. Blow dart. Most important, one of the two most important people to preventing the success of Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Yes. (laughs) Gentlemen. (laughs) Conspiracy gate. So, go on. The third thing, and this is probably the most overlooked thing in the entire game. Yeah. Is, and this is where a Chiefs caught a probably the biggest break of the entire game. The 49ers starting right guard, John Feliciano, is their second best pass pass protector. Plays on the right side of the line, right guard, and he's had a high pass blocking grade by PFF all year. He's been fantastic. Not great run blocking, but great pass blocking. In the fourth in the fourth quarter, he gets hurt and he has he's out of the game. He's done for. The Niners have to put in their backup right guard, who is a young player. He's in his second year, Spencer Burford. Flash flash forward to overtime, okay? They're down on the Chiefs' nine-yard line. It's third and four in overtime. Kyle Shanahan draws up the sweetest play. He's got Brandon Ayuk on the left-hand side for a wide-open touchdown. He's standing in the end zone by himself, and he's got Jawan Jennings practically uncovered on the right side of the field, wide open for a touchdown. What happens on the play? Spencer Burford... Misses his blocking assignment. He blocks the wrong guy and lets Chris Jones right up the middle, untouched, Mm. right into Brock Purdy's lap. Feliciano got on Twitter and called Burford out. (laughs) Really? Yes. What? I think I saw this. Yes. (laughs) And blamed it on the hangover? No. no. He, He called Burford out and was basically like, dude, that's you. You missed your assignment. And Burford's like, yeah, you're right. I did. 
Feliciano would not have missed that block. The Chiefs had nine free rushers on Purdy that game. Oh, boy. Untouched, right up the middle, unblocked. And so missing Feliciano on that last play was so huge because Shanahan drew up the sweetest play. If you watch the replay of that, there isn't five. There's The next closest guy to Jennings is four or five yards away. And the next closest guy to Ayuk is about six to seven yards away. And they're both in for walk-in touchdowns. Yeah. And uh, that was the bra- that was the backbreaker. Yeah, you also got the you know talking about fluke stuff, the blocked extra point, right? The block extra point. Yeah. Although you know, I don't. I put that down further on the list. Yeah, just because it didn't really affect the outcome of the. I, I'm almost thankful that it was it was blocked because the Niners go up sixteen to thirteen. Mahomes goes and scores a touchdown. Right, oh, Mahomes yeah, goes sorry. and goes and scores a touchdown. <laughs> Right. And you give him an extra man. play. Yeah. Mahomes, Mahomes, man. Yeah. Mahomes four, four down four, from his yeah. own 10. Yeah. Mahomes, man. Too much time. Um, the other and then the other thing in the game was obviously the decision by Shanahan, and this is why everyone wants him fired, is that he took the ball right. first in overtime when he should have kicked it. Because you want you don't want Mahomes to have four downs. Right. They got the Chiefs. If you remember, in their own territory on fourth and one, mm-hmm. do they go for it? I don't know. They're backed up. You know, they're close to the 25, 30 yard line. Do they go for it or do they punt it? Right. Look, I don't think at the end of the day, you're going to fire a coach for getting a 50 50 call wrong the first time a new rule is implemented. Right. Yeah, so, I get that. It is what it is. That seemed like a lot of people were saying it's close. It's close. It's close. It's close. What you should do there. He made a call. It didn't work. Maybe he'll do it different next time, but he didn't really have much history to work off of. Yeah. So it was It was just a gut-wrenching game, watching it live and seeing them have it and then seeing them lose it again. But it's definitely not the worst 49ers loss I've seen. <laughs> well, let me tell you. My... Least favorite, favorite moment as my favorite moment of the entire night was after the game, everyone else had left and Jay's mom, because Jay's mom was coming to pick up Kurt and Jay to two 30, 40 year old guys getting picked up by Jay's mom and Kurt's just standing in the garage for 15 minutes with me muttering to himself. Woof. It's no different than being a Bears fan. It's not different at all. You guys, say, you guys talk all the time like it's different being a 49. It's not different. It all ends in the same place. I, I might rather be a Bears fan. Draft picks. We'll, ha- draft we'll picks. have you, pal. We'll have you. And I'm just sitting there going, in my head, there's no way on this earth or any other being a 49ers fan is worse than being a Bears fan. But in this moment, I'm going to let Kurt have it. Well, I mean, I was just like, yeah, man, sure. It's probably the beer talking. Yeah, definitely the beer talking. But w- w- would you rather lose Super Bowls and NFC Championship games? Right. Yes, of course. Yes. Right. Really? Okay. H- having not gotten to experience that Kurt, since like the doink. <laughs> two days later, do you want to switch positions with a Bears fan? Right. 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 Answer the question. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bingo. Exactly. Now you know the answer. We got. All right. So, future state, obviously a tough loss, but here's the deal. Niners roster is still loaded. Everybody's going to be back. All the big name players are going to be back. Right. Purdy's going to have another year. They don't have any really big free agents. Chase Young, see you, buddy. You played great in the Super Bowl. You did not play great 
after we got you up until the Super Bowl. You played like trash. You can go. They have 11 draft picks in this year's draft. Go out and replace. Get some young talent, offensive line, corner, linebacker. uh, Shore up some of the free agents that you're going to lose, the backup players. And let's go do it again. I mean, your favorite to win at some books. You're going to win the division. There's not much competition in the NFC. The path is there. Yeah. Let's go back to the Super Bowl and play Mahomes again. Unbelievable, right? Like, there are other favorites to win it next year. Yeah. So, obviously, you don't want to be a Bears fan. (laughs) 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 We're over here at 30 to 1, like, hmm, think pretty highly of us, huh? Dude, I saw the Bears. They got the Bears at like 25 to 1 at some places. Unbelievable. I was surprised. They don't even have a quarterback. They might hear pretty soon. (laughs) Chiefs, congratulations. Spags. (laughs) Your defense was incredible, but you all got lucky as hell right. to win that game. See you next year. Yeah. See you next year. You know what? That was too diplomatic of you. <laughs> you Chiefs. Boo, Chiefs. Boo, Chiefs. You, ru- you ruined our night out. We were going to go out on the town. Oh, don't get me started. Right. Okay. We have to move on. We don't have enough time for that. <laughs> okay. So while Kurt was over here stressing the game and has spent the last 24 hours breaking it all down for us. <laughs> Let's talk about what people and, really talk about during the Super Bowl. And I spent the entire Super Bowl running around, hosting, and doing all the responsible stuff. You have some of the more entertaining thoughts on the game. Yeah. Let's do this. Okay. First thing we want to know, Duncan or Skechers, who had the better commercial? Yeah, that's a question for you guys. It's the only two that really caught my eyeball. Also, maybe it just wasn't that type of party where people were watching the commercials. That's why you need to tell us which one had a better. Oh, that's why it's my job. You guys aren't going to chime in on this. Well, it definitely was Duncan I don't Jones. know either of the commercials. <laughs> that's I, hilarious. I, I drank too much beer to watch right. any that's commercial. That's why I said I have to flip this around on you because I looked at it and I go, I don't know the answer to any of these do questions. You, do you remember when like the commercials mattered? Like punky, yeah. uh, monkey, monkey, punky baby or whatever. <laughs> and like the Budweiser commercials with the frogs and stuff. Is that over? I think it might be. It might be over. It might be over. I couldn't tell you about any of these. Yeah. So you said the Duncan one was better than the Skechers one? I believe so. Is but Mr. T, Mr. That, T had a nice cameo in the Skechers I, one. I did see a headline about that one. It looked like it had Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Tom Brady. Definitely one of those two guys. Probably all three. I don't know that I would recognize them. And definitely Tom Brady. Well, they were all wearing. Dunkin' Donuts tracksuits. Yeah. 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 Halloween costume next year for the Good Juju crew, probably. Okay. Yeah. Well, I definitely think that the way we have Super Bowls parties impacts that. So like this year, we were so hyper-focused on Kurt with the 49ers, I forgot that commercials were a thing. To right. Make. And I spent all the commercials doing other stuff so that I could be focused on the game. And like, you know, by the second half, I'm like, okay, we're done here with this, right? So I started muting the commercials and like people were yelling at me. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, I don't really that. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of the parts of the Super Bowl people care about, did you guys watch the halftime show? <laughs> no. So I did stand there and dance to it, yes. Yeah. Oh, you didn't watch it? No, no. No? Okay. I danced with the Arise Chicken. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> yes. Nice. I've got video, don't That's worry. That's great. Uh, yeah, okay, so since you watched it, Ludacris or Little John, who had the better cameo? Ludacris. You think so? Yeah. I'm going to go with Little John there, but... Overall, pretty solid performance. That's I a- don't remember what Little John looks like. 
mm. or what song he would sing. Yeah, turned um, down for what? Yeah, it's a bias pick by you, bud. I do know who Ludacris <laughs> is, so I pick Ludacris. He's also from Champaign, Illinois. Ludacris? Shout out, Ludacris. Is that a thing? Yeah. Huh. Fact check. Fact check. <laughs> Luda. All right. Uh, now, also speaking of the absolute only thing anyone wanted to talk about during the Super Bowl outside of the three of us. Do you guys think Taylor Swift's going to be at week one next year? Don't care. <laughs> next. <laughs> Super Bowl squares. Staple or see you later? That's a great question. That is a great so question. So we did Super Bowl squares this year, and we ended up each putting in about $85 <laughs> with two other people purchasing between the five of us about 90% of the squares. Right. With everyone else at the party buying between one and two each. <laughs> Kind of exactly (laughs) as I predicted it. And I walked away up $200. You, Kurt, walked away not up $200. I won $200. You won $200, Kurt. Stevie won $100. RJ, you lost. So I guess the question's for you. (laughs) Are we doing this again? I'm in. I mean, yeah, I'm in. I thought it was fun because people people were coming, people were going like, Kurt, you have zero, zero. And I'm like, what? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Don't talk to me about this. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I mean, best case scenario next year, the Bears are not in it, the Niners are not in it, and we can get back to regular Super Bowl parties, right? Yeah. And we we can't, we didn't really like close the loop this year, but we didn't really. I don't like that idea. Work on growing the loop. <laughs> Obviously, we want the Bears and the Forty ers to play each other in the Super Bowl <laughs> from the same conference. <laughs> so yeah, I will say this. That was exciting, like Pete getting his pencil out and shouting at everybody that had the scores, but not a single person checked the prop sheet. So I think it's one or the other. Mm, I, Super Bowl squares. Easier. Easier. More yes. engaging. It is more game. engaging. See you, see you prop sheets. See you later prop sheets. All right. That's going to wrap up the NFL season for us in the Super Bowl. We're moving on because we're talking my favorite topic maybe my favorite topic in all of sports we're talking college coaches who cannot win it all (laughs) what a niche (laughs) now an overview for those who weren't in on the november conversation that we had on this very podcast i have said for years some college coaches just suck in the ncaa tournament my number one target has been matt painter people are currently betting on matt painter to win the national title at seven to one. And he coaches whom? Purdue. And I feel I owe the world the common courtesy of telling them to stop. <laughs> now, to recap our conversation, we b- placed five wagers from our November uh, conversation. We bet on UConn at 18 to one. <clears throat> I had them in my sights at 25 to one and I just didn't pull the trigger, got him at 18 to 1. We got Alabama at 60 to 1. We got Gonzaga at 40 to 1. And we got USC at who cares to 1. <laughs> Whoops. It was 60 to 1. We recommended at that time to wait on Kansas for a better number and then jump, which we did at 25 to 1. And we learned a few things coming out of that conversation. So here are the ground rules that we let used to come up with those four bets and to then investigate further today. Okay. Whether or not there are any others to look at. 13 of the last 16 NCAA titles have been won by a one or a two seat. 
UConn won each of the other three titles. That's still amazing. I have to repeat that fact. I looked at a lot of stuff by top four seed because I think that one, two seed might get challenged this year. You can definitely need an easy path to get it done though. So you really do need to look at those top seeds in one way or another. You need an elite offense and at least a solid defense. Gotta be elite on offense. Gotta be at least good on defense. But then we added a couple factors from the coaching side of things. One, you need experience. If you have only been to one, two, three tourneys, you better be Kevin Ollie. I will bet against the Kevin Ollie every year and be okay with it. The other thing is, you better not have a consistent long-term history of underperforming in the tournament. This is really what we're testing with this process. Why would you bet on some coaches at luxury building prices with such red flags attached to their historical performance in the tournament? And we aren't talking guys who've been to the tournament like three to nine times a year. Here, each of these coaches we're laying out have been to the tournament double digit times. So let's see how this plays out. First, quick rundown. 25 teams on the board per Vegas Insider. UConn, Purdue, Houston, Arizona, Tennessee, North Carolina, Alabama, Auburn, Kansas, Marquette, Duke, Iowa State, Illinois, Kentucky, Baylor, Wisconsin, BYU, Michigan State, Creighton, St. Mary's, Texas Tech, Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, Florida, New Mexico. I don't know if I'm going to keep all those in, guys, okay? But I put them out there. All right? What do you mean those are the 25 teams on the Those board? are the top 25 teams per Vegas Insiders rankings of odds. Um, yeah. Okay. So those are the top 25 on the odds board right now. We got to work to eliminate as many of these as possible through this process. Okay. Okay. I get it. Let's start with a general rule. To win on a, a title, you have to be great on offense and good on defense. So let's get rid of some of these things. If you're not in the top 30 offensively, we're getting rid of you. Iowa State, North Carolina, St. Mary's, New Mexico, San Diego State. That's five teams right there, including a two seed and a three seed per bracket matrix. So, ah, okay. So gotcha. let's let's reference that real quick. We I utilize bracket matrix to reference these numbers in terms of where their current seeding could potentially come. Gotcha. Yeah. So we've eliminated five of those teams. Now on the defensive side of the board, Kentucky and Florida Atlantic. Outside the top 75, there's another couple teams that were like 75, 76, 77. I kept them all in. But outside of that, Kentucky and Florida Atlantic, we can remove. That gets us down to seven. Eliminated. couple quick notes here. Hubert Davis, North Carolina, two seed. The 39th best offense isn't getting it done. Hubert Davis has been to exactly one NCAA tournament. Don't bet on them. TJ Otzelberger, Iowa State three seed. He's only won a game in the NCAA tournament one year, despite going five times, four times, something like that. Outside the top 30 in offense, no reason to reach. Kentucky is a 16 to one to win the national title on Caesars right now. They don't have a top 100 defense. Why would you bet that? <laughs> they don't have a top 100 defense. Name brand, right? Them. Now there were eight teams that were top 25 in both offense and defense. All these numbers are coming courtesy of Bart Torvik. Houston, Purdue, Connecticut, Arizona, Auburn, Tennessee, Marquette, and Michigan State. And we get to eliminate five of the top eight seeds for no reason other than their coaches cannot win at all. <laughs> this is where I start to get worried. I go home. 
I'm going to eliminate five of the top eight seeds, and I just said that only one in two seeds can win the NCAA tournament. Hmm. So here we go. The first one, we have a bet on. We love you, Corby. <laughs> he gave out Houston at 28 to 1, and we went ahead and bet them along with Corby. But Corby did not factor that Calvin Sampson cannot win at all. Whoops. He's been to the NCAA tournament 12 times, and he's had a top four seed eight of those times. His lifetime performance against computer expectations. That is Bart Torvik's number for how you performed versus how well they believe you should have performed in the tournament. Mm. Minus 1.7. He has used that top four eight seed to make the final four two times, the national championship game zero times, and he cannot lead a team to the title. He's projected as a current one seed. And he's currently plus 700 at several books. You got a guy who's been a top four seed eight times and a lifetime underperformance in terms of Paik. I don't believe Kelvin Sampson could win a title. Well, let me tell you, I sent a text in our thread and I watched Houston play this past weekend. And I was like, nah, there's no way this team is going to score enough points against one of these top teams to get it done. All right. Well, let's break that down then real quick here. Curtis, there's two problems with that. One, you watch 98% NBA. And true, true. every time I've ever had any conversation <laughs> with you about any college basketball game ever, you have said everyone sucks. <laughs> true. Do you not think that there is probably a bias there related to the types of basketball content you regularly consume? I mean, man, they are not good offensively. Number two, we have talked a number of times about the variance associated with 18 to 22-year-olds who play basketball. And in all those situations, the evaluation of those teams based on a one-game sample size is about as absurd as a person can make. Would you agree with that part, Curtis? I'm telling you, man, they can't score. All right. We're going to move on Shout to out. research that I actually did here, sir. <laughs> At Keep Betting CC. And we're, Corby. and we're not going to trust <laughs> his one-game eyes. We are going to trust the fact that Calvin Sampson cannot win a title. we got to move on here. We're going to go too long. Number two on my list of coaches who cannot win a title, we have Shaka Smart. Ten trips to the NCAA tournament, only two top four seeds. However, he has only won more than one game in the NCAA tournament one time. And that was his magical Cinderella team, his first year in the tournament that built his entire career nothing since. He can't win a title. He's projected as a two seed, plus 2,500 at most books, but we can cross him off. Is that Marquette? Marquette. Okay. Number three, Rick Barnes. This guy is brutal. 20 trips to the tournament since 2000. 10 times he's been a top four seed. He has a lifetime performance against computer expectations of minus 6.4. He is the second worst coach in the database. One final four with 10 top four seed teams. He cannot win a title for Tennessee. He's projected a two seed plus 1,400 at several books. Tommy Lloyd, Arizona. This is an interesting case. We'll see more of this in our second tier evaluation. He's only been to one tournament. If you've only been to one tournament, you don't have the expected 
Now you don't have the experience per this strategy to win a title. Mm. But not last but not least among the eight coaches who cannot win a title of the top eight teams, Matt Painter, Purdue. He's been to the NCAA tournament 15 times. He's had a top four seed eight times, and he has a lifetime performance against computer expectations of minus 4.7. His eight top four seeds has resulted in exactly one Elite Eight and zero Final Fours. He cannot lead this team to a title, yet he's projected as a one seed and currently plus 700. At several books. Are we going to be firing their first round game on the money line? Oh, well. That Didn't that happen last year? Went pretty well last year. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm staking a lot more or going out here and calling all these coaches incapable of winning an NCAA tournament. I don't know that I need to wager on, on top. Okay. Sure, why not? What am I talking about? I'm going to cut that. All right. <laughs> now that leaves us with three coaches who can win it all among these eight teams. But first, we get to eliminate one of these teams because it's Michigan State. Tom Izzo has done it, one of the greatest tournament coaches of all time. Not worried about his age, anything silly like that. He's not going to get a high enough seed here. You need to be a top four seed to face a reasonable path through, per my expert evaluation. And Michigan State is not there. I won't be betting them to win it all, but it, you know, if they did, it is Izzo, so I'm not saying don't bet on Izzo. I'm not going to die on the hill of he can't do it. But right now, they're projected a nine seed. At plus 5,500, I'm not swallowing a nine seed for Michigan State. So that brings us to two coaches, one of whom we've already bet on. Connecticut and Dan Hurley did it. Dominant. You should be holding a ticket with us. They're projected a one seed, plus 700. We bet it at 18 to one. Yay. Current number. Cash it. not betting in too much. Oh, be quiet when I'm going to cash that. <laughs> that leaves us with Bruce Pearl Auburn. He's made 12 trips to the tournament, but only four top four seeds. Three of those four years, he did have a negative pay, but overall in the tournament, he has been a good coach. Plus 2.5 pay overall. He is a case of a coach with double-digit tries, a positive overall pay, and still no title. He's projected as a three seed, and you can currently get it plus 2,000 on FanDuel. So that's the one ticket that we don't have that I told you guys. Let's yeah, fire it. So we added Auburn plus 2,000 on FanDuel to our existing portfolio. Love it. Now, let's take a look at some of these other teams, because there were 10 teams, top 25 in one category, but not top 25 in the other. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. We had several coaches here. Mark Pope, BYU, John Shire, Duke, Grant McCaslin, Texas Tech, Todd Golden, Florida. Each of these coaches has only been to the tournament one time. I'm not going to go bet coaches with little to no experience as we laid out. So sorry for those programs. Maybe your day is coming. We don't know yet. We just know you don't have the chops right now to win a title. Now, we have no coaches in this list who explicitly cannot win a title for reasons other than an experience. So it's kind of interesting. The top teams have all these experienced coaches who can't win a title. And these in the mix ones mm. have a lot of coaches who don't meet our criteria. So that said, there are still six teams here. Let's run through them real quick. First of all, you have the coaches who can win it all. Bill Self at Kansas. He's done it twice. He's kind of average overall in terms of a tournament coach, given the fact that he's won it twice. But we did buy them at 25 to 1. They're around 22 right now. 
the one. And all I can say is stop losing so you can get that projected two seed you have now and make a real run with all that experience you got around you. Hmm. Scott drew at Baylor. He has won a title. Overall, outside that tournament run, he's been very mediocre in the tournament, though. But we're not going to rule him out because he does have the title. Real, Really here, though, the defense is the question. 76th in the country right now, so it was right on that cut line. Uh, this is one to maybe keep an eye on, see if they improve there. They're projected a three seed plus 4,000 on FanDuel. Not going to dive right now, but I'm kind of curious about it. Then you've got coaches who are still TBD. These are guys who I wouldn't classify as can't win a title. I wouldn't classify them as too young, but kind of now is the time to find out. Nate Oates at Alabama. He's been to six tournaments, two top four seeds, underperformed both times. Analysts seem to love him, though. Um, the analytics love the offense. The defense here is kind of the question mark. 75th in the country, so just one spot above Baylor. So at the end of the day, uh, we bet them at 60 to 1. Uh, they're 20 to 1 now. I wouldn't recommend that as bet there, but let's see where that defense goes. Hopefully they can continue to improve. Brad Underwood in Illinois. Okay. Doesn't yet have double-digit tournaments, but his numbers since leaving Stephen F. Austin in particular are troubling. As an Illinois fan, I can tell you I'm disappointed in the tournament results so far. That said, he hasn't cemented himself as a can't-win-a-title coach, but he's looking at the wrong side of the equation. I, I'm going to bet it as an emotional hedge as soon as I can somewhere that'll let me. Uh, I would not say this is a team you have to bet, especially since our best player is playing with a rape charge over his head. Mm. I don't know how to factor that into the math, but I don't know any teams that have won the NCAA title with the rape charge over the head. Uh, they're projected as a four seed right now. 40 to one. I just, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't love the Terrence Shannon situation. That's gotta be a cloud over the heads, but I'm going to bet it because I'm a homer. So I'd leave it at that. Uh, Greg McDermott at Creighton, 11 tournament appearances, one top four seed. He's hovering right around average in terms of his tournament performance. He's generally been less well performing on the offensive side of the ball, but they're hovering right around the top 25 in both offense and defense right now. Projected as a four seed plus 5,000. This is probably the one that's most intriguing to me. If they keep improving, this is one where I'd look to jump. And improving then, in the offensive defense? Yeah. I mean, they're like yeah. right around top 25 and both. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's good. That's one where if those kind of jump, you're looking at an elite caliber team. Uh, and then last but not least, Greg Gard, Wisconsin, five NCAA tournaments, one top four seed and a point four peg. This is kind of like an Illinois light to me here, too. They're Offense isn't quite as good, top 20, but not quite as good as Illinois. Their defense just outside the top 50, currently projected as a four seed as well. You can get them a little better than Illinois at plus 6,000. I just don't see them as strong enough right now on offense or defense to need to really push this one. So I would not be betting them. Hmm. So before we go down the road of what the net implications are, here's the best part of this whole gag. The worst coach in their entire database in terms of Paik has an NCAA tournament title. What? It's Tony Bennett. But I'm telling you something right here, 
right now. This is the greatest example of the exception that proves the rule. I still wouldn't bet on Tony Bennett's trash offense to win anything other than an ugliest looking competition. He's had two years with a top 25 offense, and he's right back at it with trash garbage offensive teams that have no business playing in national titles because they can't run a efficient enough offense to really get it done over the course of six straight games. So yeah, that's hilarious. It may disprove everything I'm trying to talk about. <laughs> but I think it's the exception that proves the rule. So where does that leave us, Jamblers? We eliminated seven teams due to basic metrics saying they don't have the makeup of a tournament team. We then eliminated another 10 coaches due to either inexperience or terrible tournament performance. Among those eight remaining, we're currently holding Connecticut, Alabama, and Kansas. We also have Gonzaga and USC. Full transparency. (laughs) I would hold on four of the remaining five teams we're talking about. Baylor, Illinois, Creighton, and Wisconsin. As mentioned, I'm most interested in Creighton here. Let's see what happens. That leaves us with one add to our card. Auburn at 20 to 1 on FanDuel. They have us all. They have it all. And I think Pearl can probably get it done, which stinks as an Illinois fan. If you know your basketball history, then you know. If you don't, well, we can talk. (laughs) So let's go UConn, Alabama, Kansas, and Auburn, and Gonzaga, and USC, and Illinois, and New Mexico, and Houston. (laughs) We are dialed. (laughs) There are a lot of highly ranked teams with coaches who can't win it all this year, folks. Let's take advantage of it. Any questions, boys? Wow. When can I start firing? <laughs> well, you already did because I gave it to you early. Right. Well, I know that. You got all uh, these teams. When do we fire on Creighton? Yeah. Are you going to tweet us? I will let you know. We'll. I'll, I'm going to look at it again before the NCAA tournament starts. So we're hoping that they improve on offense or defense. Yes. And I hope I improve at doing this as well. Mm. Because this is my third time taking a stab at this. And I finally feel like, no, I might have an idea here. That's going to be disproven in year one. And everyone's going to laugh at me when I'm dying on a hill of Matt painter cannot win a national title. And he's totally his year runs his way through the entire (laughs) NCAA tournament. So we're going to find out. Nice work. It's a fun exercise. We're trying to take advantage of some data that's out there. We're going to try to look at it from a unique perspective. We're saying we don't think certain coaches can win at all. Yeah. I like the concept. Real quick on the Pake, is that how you say yeah. it? Is it like that measurement? It's like how many wins they should have gotten or? Right. So it looks at, based on your matchups, what your win probability was in each game as you went along. Gotcha. So if you lose to a team you should have beaten, then. That's like minus one. Yeah. And I like that better than you can also look at the performance against seed expectations. Yeah. Well, we like our computer models more than we like our human beings ranking of course, of so course. you get a six versus an 11 when an 11 is better than a six. Right, right. Very interesting. So, so we now, use it against the, com- I, I preferred the versus computer expectation. Yes. I have a quick question when we talk about adding to our futures bets here on this tournament winner. How focused in are you on this? Because if Creighton, let's just say Creighton gets a little hot here. They're plus 5,000 now. Let's say in three weeks they drop to plus four thousand. Twenty-five to one. Yeah. Yeah. What you know? I are we losing some value here since you've highlighted some of these teams that could win it all, but you're not quite sure on when we're getting some. It looks like plus five thousand is a pretty good odd for 
a top 25 offense and defense to win the whole thing. So we did this with football. When we looked at coaches who can win it all and we landed on the most obvious Nick Saban play ever, but a lot of that was based on their future schedule. Okay. And if you want to go take a look at can at Creighton's future schedule, you'll probably get a good sense of are they going to have a lot of challenging games that are going to be difficult to win and impact voters? Or are they going to have a bunch of cupcakes? And really, it doesn't matter because if you have cupcakes, you're trying to avoid bad losses. And if you're playing tough competition, you really aren't getting hurt by the losses at all. So it's still kind of hard to predict what's going to happen regarding their seed based on that. I'm not here to guess as far as I'm not modeling anything related to performance. Yeah. So right now, I just feel like I've got a heavy enough card with who I'm looking at that I'm not trying to dive on a current four seed sitting out there at plus 5,000 with neither offensive nor defensive metrics showing true, really true exception yeah. in one area or another. Okay. Yeah, so I, guess, I, don't know. I said before, like I already got so many teams. I don't know that I can add many more. Right? <laughs> like, they just—they're the, the mo- one I'm most interested in. But I—I I wasn't interested enough to fire. Whereas Auburn can definitely win the national title, and so to get them at twenty to one, still everything about them is good. Hmm. So I'm happy to be holding them at twenty to one still. Guess I better bet on them again. Yeah. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Next up, we have George Panagakis, so stay tuned for that. Good juju to your bets, and we will talk again soon. Are we done? We welcome into the show George Riley Panagakis. You can find him at GRP Wins on Twitter. George has carved out a niche on gambling Twitter that we're big fans of. His videos have racked up thousands of views by offering up his betting positions in a unique way. Now, for the full background on how George got into gambling, I'd recommend everyone check out Spanky's episode with you on the Be Better Betters podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed it, so thanks for taking the time with him. It was a fun conversation. That said, let's get into some stuff that wasn't covered in that conversation, George. You spoke with Spanky about your first foray into gambling through parlay cards. Very similar to many of our backgrounds, and we've actually had several guests on give the very similar experiences. And how this led into researching stats in the Skokie Library back in 83. Those stories, I absolutely loved every part of those stories. For the gambling portion and for much of that interview, you guys then jumped to 2018 and talk about your most recent foray into gambling. But what I'm left wondering here, George, you had 20 years and you're telling him stories about how you're breaking into both Bet Bash and the VEASAN studios and all this. Is there no good stories going on from your 20s, 30s, and 40s here? Well, you know, you know, you know. It's funny. We made the interview. It was like maybe eight, nine o'clock at night, and I could just tell he was a little rushed. You know, the whole interview only lasted like fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and it was you know I like it, but I could just tell you know everyone's had different days, different things. He was a little rushed. It was only like a twenty-minute interview. Uh, so yes, there's, there there were some couple gaps in the stories, and that's a great question. So the key here is correct. I graduated high school eighty-two, and I was you know underachieving in junior college, <laughs> and uh, I I really got into the sports gambling. So, unbelievable what I did. I would literally go to the Skokie Library, which is like the best library in the Chicago area, where you can get like newspapers going back 20, 30 years, like on a microfilm. So, back then, I was into the NBA doing and the NFL, but I was doing stats on the NBA and the NFL. So, I would get microfilm of literally every single Sun-Times, 
So let's say from September 1 to like May, I would literally manually go to the odds section and I would write the, the point spread of every single basketball game and every single NFL game. So I literally spent a couple months of my life just writing down this data, which if I was smart, I don't know if they had it back then. Like Gold Sheet does sell some historical data where maybe I could have bought it, but I was just, you know, you know, I just didn't figure that out yet. So unfortunately, I spent a lot of time just writing down data, and then I would analyze it. So I was really into sports gambling from like 18 to 25, and I was, you know, while I'm kind of like doing work and so forth and so on. And then you have like a, maybe one year where you break out even, like in the NFL, and then your friends start making fun of you, and you say, hey, you know, what do you mean you got a system, you got a form? You know, you're nothing. So you have a breakout year, an average year, and then you lose your confidence, and then literally I kind of like, Almost from the age of 25 to about early 50s, I literally did very, very little sports betting. I'd I, like, you know, I almost none. Let's put it that way. Were you grinding it up in the casinos during that time? Because you talk about being a poker player. Right. So then at 10 years later, at the age of uh, 33-ish, I moved to California. I, and then about five years later, when I was about 40-ish, correct, exactly 20 years ago with the Moneymaker Boom. I got into poker. So for the last 20 years, that's been like my, my gig. It was, it was fun 20 years ago. And now it's, it's, it's a great, it's not fun at all. <laughs> Are you still playing poker? Yes. I, there, this Rivers Casino, the poker room opened up exactly 22 months ago, April of 2022. And the first year the games were easy. And literally we all, the last six months, the games have become tough. It's, there's nothing easy anymore. George, did you have to go to the, the horseshoe? 30 minutes from Chicago? Indiana? Indiana, yeah. Correct. It's in Hammond, Indiana. It's kind of like just west of Gary, just east of Chicago. Yeah. Right. I've been I've been back here home for about five years, kind of like helping out my mom and doing this and that. So, yes, two years ago, three years ago, I would go to the horseshoe, and then COVID hit, and then everything got all screwed up. And now the horseshoe has really gone downhill because now there's all this competition around them, and they know they have no future. And literally, you can go. I mean, they won't fix the carpets. There's no security in the parking lot. The horseshoe knows their days are done. So the horseshoe's really gone downhill, but the games are still good. That's what I hear. And that's a shame because that poker room is awesome. At oh, least it's an old school. Yeah. Right? I wasn't here when it opened. I was in California, but if I was smart, I heard, I think it opened in 08. And of course, just like anywhere, I heard the games were great for like five years. Yeah. But I never witnessed, I was never there back then. That's the, that's the only place in this, in the area where I could go play PLO. So I would hit, I would hit the PLO tables up there. Right. And as you know, if you're a PLO guy, PLO's a niche, and PLO players, they know there's, you know, 15 places around the whole country you can play, and a lot of the PLO players know each other, because, you know, I did the, I did the uh, Miami thing, I was in Florida day one, July 1, 2010, when, when, when Florida changed the laws, I was there, I moved from California to Florida day one, so the PLO players, they kind of know each other. And PLO is hot. Hot limit Omaha, hot it's, limit it's, Omaha. It's, it's a tough game. Yeah. You got to yeah. be really good. So now as far as your current venture, you've seen a lot of engagement from your videos, which feature your notebook, you write into your notebook, very old school, here's what my bets are, here are my positions, and then layout and video updates, kind of where you stand, how you're performing, and you've generated a lot of traction as a result of that. What do you think has been the secret to generating the kind of following you suddenly find yourself with? Uh, well, it's, it's two things. Uh, it's integrity, because in this business... I mean, number one, everyone lies or they, everyone's a winner and um, people can't believe I actually show, show losses. And then I, I'll get back, I'll tell you what I did in 2018. But number two, real quick, 
this is just by accident, about four months ago, I started these videos. I mean, literally one day my nail was bleeding on my finger, and I don't know why I <laughs> I did like a video of it. I I mean, I was I, I have no idea why. And then I did another weird video, like I'm in my washroom, and people are like, "What is this guy weirdo?" <laughs> and and I'm, I'm down in my den, and people are like making, but people are making fun of me, but they relate to it. It's hard to explain. And now these videos now, everyone can relate. And I'm like, what? These I should have done these videos years ago. People, there's something about it. They really relate to it. And they relate to the fact that I'll show a loss. And they can't believe someone actually has integrity in this business. Yeah. So with the good of that also comes a little bad. And you seem to get trolled a little bit on Twitter. Do you find that uh, valuable because it increases the engagement? Or does that get to you at all? That's also a great question. You know, there's also the old saying, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Right. So about two, three years ago, I'll even mention his name because now we enjoy each other's company. Uh, Real Fats was like one of my guys. That, I mean, he was to a degree a stalker. He would always respond to everything I did, and but he was a, he's an intelligent guy. And it's like in his own way, he just loved keeping track of everything I did. And he would always, he would everything would be negative. And yes, I blocked him more than once. But I also realized he brings he brings publicity because he's also been interviewed by Spanky and everyone in Vegas knows him and he's a, he's a smart gambler. So I do get publicity from him attacking me. So with a guy like that, it's a double-edged sword. But some guys are just, you know, they got four, they got 40 followers and um and uh, you know, you just got to you just got to get rid of them. It's kind of hard to have the patience in those sorts of situations, right? Right. right. Well, now I got to ask you now cuz the the big event happened in 2018. Were you guys following me in 2018, 2019? Yes or no? Probably no. Or no. So what happened was Illinois legalized, because we're here in Illinois as well, sports gambling in right. 2020 during the pandemic. And we were DFS players before that, yeah. daily fantasy. And we moved over to this legal sports gambling once it became available. Right. So what I got to tell you about 2018 so everyone understands the foundation. We all know the Supreme Court changed the law in May of 2018. That right. was That's what started this all. So what I knew at that time was, I said to myself, well, this sports scam is going to be big. And I said to myself, well, I think I still know what I'm doing. I, I've got all this data from 20 years ago, which is worthless, but I wanted to update it. So once that law was passed, I spent the next three, four months getting ready for the football season. So then I updated my data. And then what I did was I tweeted with no videos at all. I just, I said, okay, I'm gonna, I, I literally went to Vegas. Walked into sports books, every one of them, over the course of three days, and I handed them. I said, "Who's the manager?" I handed, I literally handed them just a business card. Say, "I'm GRP wins." I'm going to tweet all my picks at kickoff to prove that I, I'm a, I'm a legitimate handicapper and an honest guy. So I literally walked to Vegas like a week before the year started. You walk the strip, you know, in the morning you go to these, and then that night you can come back and get the the, the, the nighttime shift manager. And I literally handed out hundreds of business cards. So I tweeted all my picks in 2018, and my record was 28 and 21, which, you know, believe it or not, that's like top 5%. Yeah, no big deal. So I, I, right. I had a good year. I had a winning year. And so then I'm like, ask, next year. Can I ask this ahead. real quick? Sure. Dur during that time, you said, you know, you kind of went back to your process from 20 years ago. Did you use the same process or did you approach it from a different perspective in 2018? Right. Well, think, think the biggest difference is that, you know, there's more points scored now. It's a, it's, a little, it's a little different game. And I think people now are a little sharper where the home dog 20 years ago may have been better than it is today. And now the home dog gets a little less points because they know there's an advantage of the home dog. So I think, you know, believe it or not, just like a poker room, every six months, the room changes. Guys will check raise, guys will tight, loose. And just like sports, every couple of years, things change. So you have to change with, with the flow of the game. 
So let me ask this, because in 83, you were visiting the Skokie Library, writing down numbers on pieces of paper. But like we see you today writing down numbers in your notebook, in your videos, but your research, are you also doing that pen and paper? Are you doing your research, you know, using modern methods? I do. uh, Right. A hundred percent modern methods. I haven't done it in a couple of years, but you can, number one, you can just go to the gold sheet and they'll sell you like historical data of the end. I I know they did two years ago. I don't know if they still did of like NBA and NFL. You can just get literally the score of every game and then you can analyze it however you want. So a hundred percent. Now I buy the data or you can probably go to a website on your computer and there's the data. There's no way I go to the library anymore like I did, like a dummy for, for six months. It was nuts. <laughs> no, that's why I'm asking, because you, you were saying you're approaching the same system. And I go, wait, his system right. was going to a library <laughs> and writing down. Right. It's a little different. Right. So, <laughs> well, I'm good. No, but the difference now is the basic data I get with technology rather than going to the library. Right. Smart. Sorry. So, now I got to tell you now. So, right, 2018, I, you know, I'm like, okay, I get a tech. I tweet all my picks at kickoff. People respected it. I had a decent year, but no big deal. So now 2019, I'm, getting, I'm like, okay, this is, I'm going to do it two years in a row. People are going to, I go to Vegas again, Labor Day weekend, hands out my business cards. So literally half the shift managers in Vegas will be following my tweets in 2019. What happens, of course, I have the worst year in my entire career ever <laughs> in 2019. And I still know my record, 27 and 39, mm. which, you know, a, a disaster. So I'm like, okay, I have integrity people. So I have a losing record now over two years. What's the point? So guess what I do in 2020? I start documenting handicappers. I'm like, I have a reputation, but who cares what I do now? Because I can have another good year. And, and a guy can legitimately say, well, well, guess what? You're even over the last three years. And he'd be right to say that. Who, you know, who cares what I think? So now I start documenting handicappers because these guys that sell these picks, these guys are all scumbags. I can't stand these guys. <laughs> so I wanted to promote the little guy that no one heard of mm. and, and then let, let him make a name for himself. And I had a couple dozen people that paid me a little bit of money. And, I, and it's a long story with COVID. You know, things got all screwed up. And I, and then a couple of times I went back and I'm selling picks. So the things were kind of screwed up for a couple of years. But a couple of guys did get a lot of publicity out of the deal. Very cool. That's good. Right. right. And then what happened was, again, now this is where the real fats comes in. Again, now he's a good guy, but because he wanted to be documented. He, he wanted to join it. But what happens is it's like... Uh, it's like if you get 20 guys that buy a McDonald's franchise, where well, you're going to get a couple of guys that want to do things their way and they want to break the rules. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to cor- corral these people because one guy wants to buy a half a point. One guy wants to keep track of oh, this. Sure. It's good, right. But so Rev Fast is a good guy, but he would, I would make like, he would, he would critique everything. He would critique everything I did. He was literally fascinated by me. He would sit, he couldn't wait to any, anything I tweeted. He responded. It was one of those fascinations. It was a love hate kind of, It was unbelievable. But again, like I realized, because he's well known, I, I kept him around yeah. for the publicity, and it worked. George, you said you were you were keeping track of of all these handicappers once you flipped over from making your own picks. Were you posting uh, on Twitter records or calling out anybody? No. So what happened was I made very simple rules, and I used Twitter because there's no way that I or the handicapper can be in a scam. All this person had to do anytime during the week from like Tuesday to kickoff, all they had to do was send out a tweet and say, oh, Mr. Joe Blow, here's my picks. Here's the two sports books that I use for my line source. Mm. And that was it. So there's no way that I could be in the scam either because everybody saw the tweet. And of course, guess what happened? 90% of the guys could not, they had a losing record. Of course. They can't beat the number. Right. That's, that's, I mean, that's the reality of it. 
So, you know, there's this, there's a couple of companies now that kind of quote unquote document handicappers. Even if they do it, even if they're legitimate, guess what happens? 90% of the handicappers, if they're really right, they're losing anyway. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So you're it's so hard just, to beat the number. You're kind of running like a lo-fi handicapper contest over Twitter with a couple dozen guys, it sounds like. Correct. Bottom right. They paid me a little bit of money. I was the middleman that made some rules. Calling it a contest, basically they're getting publicity. And a lot right. of people are like, well, why am I paying you? Well, well you're, you're, you know, I have a couple thousand followers. You're going to get publicity, and this is how you work. This is how you benefit. Yeah, exactly. And for a couple of years, I did it out enough. That's a fun idea. We had thought yeah, that idea a couple times. No one else had ever done it before. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Because what you guys didn't know is 20 years ago when you guys were, you know, when you guys were five, <laughs> there used to be companies, you know, a documentation company. There were like two or three well-known ones. And they were 90% a scam. You know, you have yeah. to call some number and, and give them your picks. You don't know if this guy's telling the truth. Not the whole, it, was, it was a joke. Right? We, we are all 40, George. <laughs> are you being serious? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, you guys look young. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We do appreciate that. All right. So then you moved into this personality role and you've been doing these videos and the engagement behind them has been great, which has led me to the naturally obvious question. Has your mom rubbed it in your face since she hit that Kansas City wager? You know what? She she's I uh, know she she sits in the kitchen upstairs. I'm downstairs in the den. She's actually said very very little. And you know, f- four days ago she came out of the blue. Who's this? Who's this Travis guy? And yeah, you know, I, you know she says, "How much do I win if I bet 50? And she says, "Okay, I want about a hundred dollars on uh, Kansas City." And to what effect Taylor Swift had? You know, who knows, but because Travis Kelsey and Taylor get a lot of publicity and uh, she, you know what? She was the public on the Super Bowl, the public in Kansas City, a couple, if you want to call them pros or not, and a couple big money betters, as we know, had San Francisco. And again, it was a total coin flip game. It was a one play game. I had no opinion on the game, but you watch the media, you know, the, yesterday or today, you know, they like, they act like San Francisco stinks. I mean, the whole thing's, it's, it's a, come on, it's a joke. <laughs> I mean, San Francisco's a great team and they have right. a very good coach and they lost a one play game, bottom line. So she's not now insisting that she's a better sports gambler than you? <laughs> no, no, she's not, not at all. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You don't, you don't want right. that in your own house, but all right, right. So now that we're on the topic, let's talk gambling. Uh, you have a right. fascinating portfolio that you just wrapped up your NFL season with, and we were excited to break it down with you. You just released your videos on your season over the last um, day or so. You had three of them, I believe, that came out. And Correct. So let's go over those real quick here. So you you know, got it. Your, your notebook here reported plus 3K in total value. First, let's talk about the NFL season that was your weekly bets, great season, plus 2,500. Your Super Bowl and other miscellaneous, another great season, plus 2,200, which you're a $1,000 better. So that's like almost plus five units between those over the course of the season. And then you had the season-long portfolio, which you've gotten kind of famous for now, the comeback player of the year, which bit you a little bit with the uh, minus 8,700 8, in terms of the season-long portfolio. So a- as we get to the end of that, your entire year, you've resulted around minus four units. It was a fun ride following you on that journey. But what learnings do you think you took away from this season? Uh, well, the learning number one is, it's like you said, the portfolio. That was another thing that took off. So I had my long-term futures positions, you know, maybe maybe last May during the summer, I had on positions for, for the season. You know, I'd have a, I'd bet a thousand, two thousand. Uh, hang on, I got my portfolio right here. So what happened was then, I think during the middle of the year, 
I would update like you know I would make an estimate like the chances like the va the value of each one and people were really getting into these percentages. It was like, I mean people I mean you know there's some people that think these are exact numbers you know these are just estimates. Even like Spanky when, when he interviewed me he was like where do these numbers come from? I go well, he goes he goes you know you just pull these things out of your ass. Where do these percentages come from? <laughs> people are going nuts with these percentages. I'm like Spanky they're just estimates. You know, every week I change this no big deal. <laughs> and I'm looking at my, yes, I'm looking at my portfolio right now. And the weird thing is I had about, uh, 10, let's put the, keep the comeback player of the year to the side for one second. I had about 10 outright winners and about 10 outright losers. My big winner was Arizona. I literally won about nine grand betting the over on Arizona. And I lost about seven grand betting the under on the Rams. And literally to exactly, I was down, I lost $135 on all these 20 positions for the year, which, you know, it's almost impossible to even do to even do closer to even than being down one thirty five, which is nothing, you know. Right, right. Ex excluding, look, we can we can talk about now if you want the comeback player of the year, which <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, that took me a day or two to, to recover. I'm not kidding you. I, that was, uh, you know, hey, the mistake I made was I started out with Baker Mayfield, which I think I called that perfectly, but for some reason, I bet twenty seven hundred on Baker on a seventy five to one shot instead of my usual thousand. Right. Well, I yeah. did that. I, I kind of went crazy. You know, when you look at reality, when you make decisions like sometimes you do crazy stuff. And I did something crazy there. I really did. So, do you think then that's going to impact your approach heading into next season? Oh, uh, no. This, this season's, you know, th this is the one dumb thing I did. And again, this is why people like me. The other dumb thing I did was I lost 3000 on the college football championship game. And, and again, I say it once a month. I know very little about college, college football, is not my thing. And now I look back at it. Why did I have $3,000 on the college football championship game? Uh, I had it on, like, you know, uh, over, you know, first quarter, first half, stuff like that. I'm like, what am I doing? I mean, this is insanity. But when you see real bets, you know, people do crazy stuff. Yeah. So now, are you thinking about participating in any survivor or other handicapping contests? Those seems to be growing in, person in popularity. And I believe you've mentioned it a few times on your videos. No doubt. About two, three weeks ago, uh, no, more than a month ago, about a month ago, what happened was if you listen to the sports gambling media, the Survivor Contest in Vegas got a lot of publicity. And, you know, these guys were, you know, fighting for $9 million, and they were arguing over the chop. <laughs> and um, I, I follow Mitch Moss on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I watch, I don't watch v but I follow Mitch on Twitter. And he's a good follow because what he does is he highlights his show like in the middle of the day. He'll have segments of a show. So there's usually one segment that I like. So I follow him on Twitter. And then they were talking about the Survivor like a month ago, like constantly, because there were legal issues of chopping. So, yes, I'm going to give the Survivor a shot for sure. Because the reality is picking point spread winners. Um, you know, I, can, I have my record right here. I was like 13 and 12. You know, I'm looking right at right now. My exact record was 13 and 12 which is, you know, I lost a couple of my bets for a little bit, maybe 115. I lost like $1,000 betting on sides in the NFL. And, you know, I mean, so maybe you have a good year, you make five grand, big deal. What's wrong with being in a survivor pool and picking up a couple million? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, you got you to think big and you got to be big. All right. Yeah. So what, what, what? we're going to stick to $1,000 units and we're going to enter some big competition. Sounds like you got a couple strategies you're looking to make shake things up with next year. Oh, no doubt. I'm planning on going to Bet Bash 4 in August. Fantastic. Oh, we'll see you there, bud. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. and the thing is, the, it's a minor problem. The problem with Survivor is, even though Circa is down in Illinois, 
you have to sign up in Vegas. Right. You can't just, like, you know, there's a brick and mortar here in Waukegan, which is a half an hour north of Chicago. I mean, oh, I mean come on, guy. Why, why can't I just sign up there and submit my picks there every week? No, you have to. So you have to sign up in Vegas, and then I have to get a proxy. Luckily, because the survivor, you're just given one pick. It's it's like like a hundred dollars a month, which is nothing. So I have to get a proxy. You have to give them your picks, and then this person has to go over to Circa and say, uh, "I'm putting picks in for GRP wins." So there's another randomness there too. But yeah, that's 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 the way it goes. But on the flip side of that, it gives us a reason, another excuse to go to Bet Bash. Right. So there's one. Check. So shout out that. <laughs> and number two, we highly recommend Winner's Circle Proxy. Oh, give, sure. Give our gal Erin a shout. She took care of us last year, and they were wonderful. I'm glad you told me that because here's what I'm doing. I don't want to have all my business with one proxy. Maybe that something goes wrong. You have an argument, so forth. So I, I want to experience different things. Oh, so I'm going to have ten entries, and I'm going to have three different proxies. Wow! All right, we'll yeah, give Winner yeah. Circle a chance. <laughs> I'm going to do. I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to take your recommendation. I'm going to do it for sure. Yeah, fantastic. And I hope to run out into you while we're out there. Um, we had a great experience signing up for the Survivor and trying it. Yeah. Until we got knocked out in week four. It is definitely a pain to go out there for it. But once you're out there, it's super painless. Trust us. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like I said, I'm going to combine it with that bash. If I was still into the poker tournament thing, I'd go there during the World Series in June. You know, I think you need two reasons. You know, I'm not like, a, you know, I think you kind of need two reasons to go out there. And I'm going to combine it with that bash. So I got, you know, I got something going on. Weird. Some of us need zero reasons. <laughs> there you go. Which, which butt bash did you guys go to? Which one? We have not. This will be our first. So we go oh, out to Vegas. Okay. We've done. We went out to Vegas and we signed up for Circus Survivor, but we didn't attend that bash. We were actually out there the weekend before. Yeah, coincidentally. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, I was at Butt Bash One, which was like two and a half, three. Was a, was in uh, New Jersey, right next to Manhattan. I literally flew out just for the day, Butt Bash One, and then uh, Butt Bash, which is the one I got asked. Yeah. So Bet Bash too, you know, they raised prices a little bit, whatever, yada yada yada. I was a little, I was in my anti um, being negative, everything. So Bet Bash too, I I snuck in and I was escorted out by security. Did, did you fly out to Vegas for the purpose of sneaking in? I I flew out. I'm trying. Yes, I flew. Of course, I flew. I was in Vegas. I flew out just to hang out, maybe just to play a little poker, and I and I tried. It was about 1 p.m. on a Sunday. I remember it very well. And uh, I was having lunch at the Circa uh, Hotel in the uh, the deli there. And I said, and I, and I recognized the guy. And I'm like, what's going on? Where's it at? He says, oh, it's in the D on the 26th floor. I go, great. Thanks for telling me. So half an hour later, <laughs> I walk up there. <laughs> I literally walk in. There's no one questions, nothing. I was smart. I got a half an hour free. I just sat in the back of the room for half an hour. Took a picture of the chili dogs. I'm listening <laughs> to some some people talk, <laughs> and then there it is. Uh, half an hour later, I sent I sent Fats a DM and a statement like confirming that I'm in the room. Like, oh Fats, I see you're in the middle of the room. I'm to your left, yeah. And he's just snapped his neck, <laughs> and he's he saw me. He was chasing me around this little cart. I mean, you you had to be there. You couldn't even believe it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Did, this is totally something I would try to do. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, and, I got, and it's a weird thing. I got a lot of publicity about it. And now, um, you know, me and Fat, you know what? Me and Fats now, we like each other. And Spanky, um, you know, it was a year or two ago. The bottom line is Spanky, he respects my integrity. And yes, it was wrong what I did. But guess what? Like you said, there's no such thing as negative publicity. I got a lot of publicity out of that. And I'm good. You know, even like I said, even bad publicity is good. 
And before I got kicked out, I, I like that's the first time I met Jeffrey Benson. I said hello to him. Yeah. And Matt Metcalf used to run Circa. And I waved to a couple of people. And I even, Derek Stevens knew me from a year before. I just, hey, Derek, how you doing? He didn't know. I just like, I said, how you doing? And then a half an hour later, when, when I told Real Fats, this is when he hated me. And he was, and he went nuts. And <laughs> he got security, pointed me out. <laughs> Wow! So he I actually was the one that, that it was unbelievable. That's crazy. He's the one that actually like got you thrown out. Hundred percent. But but again, I did send him a DM. I did antagonize him. Yeah, you know, okay. I gave him one of those. Hey, fast! I see you in your scooter. I'm uh, thirty feet to your left. Uh, I'm really enjoying this. And he went <laughs> <to> nuts. <laughs> I'm telling you, you had to be there to see it. I love it. That's good stuff. All right, all right. We got to get back on topic here, George. <laughs> NFL draft. I see you have Harrison first non QB, Drake May and Caleb Williams at number one. Now you have Drake May at number two, minus 155. Give us your breakdown. How are you getting to these particular wagers you're landing on? Uh, number one, there's no formula. You kind of have to know the draft. So, for example, if you, know, if you look at section, this is another reason why I love the notebooks. Like I, even for myself, I can make a mental note of what I did. So, I'm looking right now at section three of my notebook. And on, on October 24-25, I bet on Marvin Harrison Jr., 2000. He was minus 130 at DraftKings. Now, I believe I made two separate 1,000 bets. That's why I have two dates there. Not that it really matters. And it's like 130 is like an average of the two prices. So basically, I have Marvin Harrison Jr. for 2K at minus 130. Right now, he's like minus 450. I mean, I'm looking right. like a genius. You know? So now, if you said to me, what's the formula? How'd you know? How'd you know? Well... You know, just like in life, it's like, how do you, you know, why are you a poker player and you're not, a, you know, doing whatever? Just, you kind of know. I just, little I just intuition. perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, you got to have a feel in life. I mean, nothing's, not everything's a formula. Everything's a math problem. So bottom line, I called this bet perfectly. So, you're not, so with your NFL drafts, you're not betting into information you're obtaining from sources or anything along those lines? No, the only information I have is that I that with the draft, you just have to read stuff. And believe me, when you read, so like I love uh, mock drafts. There's, you know, there's, there's, they're all over the place. There's like a half dozen good ones. So if I, if I every mock draft I look at, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the first non-QB pick. Well, okay, I'll go with it. What, what the hell? I'm getting <laughs> right. even money and I'll take it. I mean, if you want to call me a genius, you call me a genius. Uh, so that was it. Do you so now, yeah, the next bets I have are Drake May and Khalid Williams on uh, November 14th and December 6th. You're not done, right? You're going to have more draft positions? Well, the draft is in like two months and two weeks. I'm going to, you know me, I'm, I'm going to guess I'm going to have more draft positions, correct? I mean, literally, the flip, the season ended two months ago, uh, two weeks, two days ago. And I'm just casually, I go to these web. I'm thinking, okay, maybe in a couple weeks, you go to these online sites. They, they got all this stuff on already. It's unbelievable. Right. It just nowhere. Yeah. It's crazy. You go to DraftKings, they have uh, MVP already, Offensive Player of the Year. And these, of course, they don't have Comeback Player of the Year yet, but they've already got awards. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Okay. So this, this this brings me into another question I have. Like when we get into your portfolio, you report, like even in your latest video, a plus $3,000 total value, which incorporates some of your unrealized gains, such as Harrison first non-QB, right? Essentially, you're, you're like reporting your CLV in your overall portfolio value. At the end of the day, are you calculating those unrealized gains using sports books, or is that just your estimation, or where are you getting to those? Correct. Well, first of all, obviously, the reason why I accounted for the estimation is because I have some great open positions, which everyone wants to make themselves look good, you know, of course. Again, the Marvin Harrison position, I have 2000 on this position. Of course, it will not be decided for two more months. 
So I think realistically, I got a you know 75, 80% chance of winning. So roughly that position is probably roughly a $1,500 winner at this moment. Is that an estimate? Of course. But I also think it's an accurate estimate of where I'm at right now. Now, you look at my L.A. Clippers bet, which I'm just a casual basketball fan. I made that bet I'm look, on November 31. I bet $1,000. I got 11 to 1 that they end up as the number one seed. So right now, I'm looking at I'm looking like a genius. They're literally, they're, I mean, you can make the argument the last two months, they've been the best team in the NBA. I mean, they're, they're really playing well. So realistically, if this wins, my, my ticket is worth 12000 In a fair estimate, a real is it, right now it's worth about a third of that, about four grand. So yes. So when you look at that plus three thousand figure, it also assumes some real, real live at the moment valuations of some good positions. You know whether or not you can say that's a stretch. That's a. I mean, I agree, I believe in my valuations, but right. then again, it's not facts of you know these aren't hard line facts. Right. Well, I understand from the perspective of you've got Marvin Harrison in at minus 130 and now it's sitting at minus 435. There's absolutely equity built in there. The only thing I kind of wonder is, you know, when we go through your videos throughout the NFL year, when that's being incorporated in the same way, it's showing profit, 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 profit. But then when we get to the end of the year with the un- with the actual realized gains in NFL, you know, it comes in at that negative number, but then the next set of futures just pop in there and we're still looking at an overall value of plus 3,000 without an accounting of, you know, the NFL portion of that. The, the figure of plus 3,000, to me, that includes all closed positions. For example, on my, the word portfolio, which, which I, has two meanings. Of my long, my long bets of the year of my portfolio, I thoroughly admitted the comeback player of the year cost me 8700 I have it right there on my sheet. I didn't hide that figure at all. Yeah. But correct. As of today or yesterday, I'm up 3000 That includes an unrealized profit of, like we said, the Marvin Harrison, I think, is worth 1500 The LA Clippers bet, if you go online right now and try to bet the Clippers to be top seed, maybe they're minus 300 Right. So definitely, this position, in theory, it's, it's has an unrealized profit into it as of this, like I could sell this for that amount of money. So yes, the plus 3000 is an estimate of some open positions that are not closed yet. Okay. So let's say for example, in two months, I lose the Clippers bet. Bingo. So that's 3000. Cause I'm assuming, let's say roughly, I think it's worth three or 4,000 right now. If the Clippers bet is worth zero, then that's going to come off my, my new bottom line figure in, in, in at the end of April, whatever bottom line figure I give you is going to include the basketball bets and the draft bets because they'll all be closed. The only thing that will be open then, here's another great one I talked about, is the, is my uh, Belichick bet. I mean, I'm looking like an absolute genius. <laughs> I got him at seven to one. I bet five hundred dollars. I got seven to one on DraftKings that he's not a coach on week one. Guess what my equity on that is right now? It's like ninety nine percent. <laughs> so, you know, you, no, so, I, look, you and, can't blame me for wanting to look. My love numbers look good. What right, 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 right. I'm, I'm not questioning at all the the value. I I'm just I was watching your video and I it took me a while to understand what was happening in the video. Right. I guess is the point that I was trying. To this is not at. how we right. do it, right? I have to get. I just have a basic Twitter account and I'm limited to like a minute and a half on these sure. videos. Yeah, I believe if I get a blue check, do I get more time? I believe. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. We have a blue check, yeah. and we yeah. still don't use it. Right. 
<laughs> like when I see the Dave Portnoy videos, you know, he's got five minute video. You know, sure. I know there's a way to do it. I have to bring my game up for the next season. All right. Yeah. What I need, George, is an instructional video on how to interpret right. your notebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a key. Right. No, I love the thought process, though. I, I think, you know, it's pretty soon on the horizon, this whole like peer to peer wagering system and marketplace. So I love the thought process on like, trying to take a stab at calculating the equity in your bets because that's going to come sooner than later um, where you're going to be able to sell these positions or offer outs to other peers um, on all this stuff so i think it's it's a really interesting thought process well on that note then there's the other um you know when when you had your bet if you got something like let's say for example the um the survivor pool you know if i'm at the end with five guys in first place with 10 million I'm hedging for sure. You Absolutely. Know, hey, everyone take out a million, give me that, and we fight for five. But when you're hedging for something that's eight grand, okay, sure, eight grand. Well, anytime you hedge, don't forget, you're going to pay juice. You're going to lose five. Exactly. So, you know, when does it end? You know, and at Twitter, everyone's got an opinion. You should hedge, you should end that. So that's a personal choice, and everyone's got, you know, everyone's got a value of money, and, uh, you know, when does it end? Right. Do you bet on basketball regularly? Like, are we going to yeah. see videos about basketball once the draft is over? No. Um, well, first of all, once it, uh, no, um, basically, no. Uh, I'm an NFL guy, gotcha. 98% NFL. But you know what? Um, here I am. I put a couple of these basketball bets in, and uh, Clippers, I'm looking great. Lakers, I'm looking about even. Yeah. I just need them to get in the playoffs, and if they have to go to the finals, you know, win the West after the playoffs. I'm getting 10 to 1. You know, it's a negative equity bet right now, but still, I got a shot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but the Clippers, I look great. I mean, they're just. Let's be honest, the last two months are the best team in the league. Well, I'm a Celtics fan, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? When when Jordan was playing, I would just I would watch everything NBA 20 years ago. Believe me, the way these guys do this load management, I yeah. don't watch. I watch nothing. And I, the playoffs is decent, but this regular season is a complete, that's a complete joke. It really is. It's a drag. All right. I'm good on game. They don't now. play defense. It's all three-pointers. It's all raging. Right. It's a different game for sure. He's right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, George, last question. We're going to let you get out of here. What is the best greasy fast food in Chicago? Well, um, well, you said greasy. That's kind of a weird word. I'll go anything uh, you want to tell me, bud. Well, I, I, I wouldn't call I'm just curious. Now, do you have a Portillo? Do you have a Portillo's there? Do you have a couple of them? Oh, yeah. We've got we, Portillo's. Yeah, we have a Portillo's now. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't call Port, I tell, tell you a secret. The best thing at Portillo's is the uh, Maxwell Street Polish. If you ever okay. go there, it, it's phenomenal. It's just got mustard and onions. It's like a big sausage because uh, there's a bunch of average stuff there. Boy, greasy, you know what? I just had a Euros from a, a good Greek restaurant. It's not a Greek greasy joint at all. This place is really good, and I go there like twice a month. And a good Euros made from scratch, and the whole country is very hard to find. And I got a place I go, and I had lunch there today. Uh, you know what? Greasy, I don't I don't know if I go there. I can't think of a – there's probably someone that the, the, the bad neighborhood, the bad parts of town, but I don't go there. Where 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 can we get this Euro? Right. Tell us the name. The, the near, um, it's uh, five miles northeast of O'Hare. It's in uh, the name of the place is Pisteria, P S I S T A R I A. It's in Lincoln Woods, which is 20 minutes northeast of O'Hare. All right. So, All right. in a week, when we go to Chicago to watch the Celtics play, <laughs> we're getting some, we're getting some gyros. gyros. Some gyros. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then again, if you're, you're going to watch, you're going to go to the United Center? Yeah. Then you know what you you can go to Greek Islands. Is it's a, everyone goes there before the game. Okay. Exactly two miles halfway between downtown and the United Center, and the valet parking there is the best. You literally pull up, the guy takes your keys because parking's an issue. 
Yeah. And the Valley Park. So go to Greek Islands downtown. You'll be happy there. Fantastic. Well, George, I'm a man of simple pleasures. Al's Italian beef right there. I don't even know if it's still there out in Rosemont. That was my, always yeah. my go-to. Uh, it's no, it, Oh, it's no longer here. No. Ah. There used to be a Mr. Beef and Pizza on Higgins in Cumberland. Did you remember that? Yes. Okay. No, that hasn't been. That's, that was gone also five gone. years ago. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you know what? It became an you know what? It became an Al's. That's right. Oh, okay. About uh, ten years ago, they became an Al's, and it was there for about five years. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been back up in that area since the pandemic, but that used to be regular stomping grounds for me over by O'Hare. I think we're going to have to go play some cards with well, George hit, over at the river someday. Maybe we hit up rivers uh, before we go to that game. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Maybe. we do. All right. (laughs) All right. You can find all of George's entertaining content on Twitter at GRP wins. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, George. Good juju to your bets. And let's talk again sometime. Guys, it was great. I enjoyed it. And uh, if you want to meet for a drink and play a little PLO Rivers in a couple weeks, um, just send me a DM. Let me know. All right. We'll take you up on that. Have a good one. Yeah. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. Thanks, George. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Are we done?